so I went full-time freelance when our daughter was a baby. Mm-hmm. That was the whole point. We just went and visited high schools for her <laughs> last week. Uh... I tell you what, though, because it's a brand new high school, I quite like to join it. <laughs> they do meditation. Do they? They do yoga. Oh, this is very modern. They have a green roof. Nice. Oh, and like the ethos was, you know, we're not an exam factory. Mm-hmm. You need to do well. You need to work hard. But we want students to leave here and go out into the world and make the world a better place. I'm just going to get on the right move. <laughs> look at some houses. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you're listening to the Doing It For The Kids podcast, where we swear a bit too much and talk a bit too fast about freelance life with kids in the mix. I'm Frankie and this is Steve. Hello! Yes, each episode we take a question from the Doing It For The Kids community, start each episode by looking back at the last one. Last one was our 100 episode where obviously we had lots of questions, Mm. but one in particular got lots of people talking and that was, have you ever regretted going freelance? Alice Hollis says... Never in capital letters. That's not to say being freelance is easy because it's not. If anything, it's so much harder than being employed because you have to be chief of everything. And it's not to say there haven't been wobbly moments when I've wondered how sustainable being freelance is, particularly over the summer when there was literally no work and I had a mortgage to pay. But I've never regretted the decision. The tough times make it far more exciting than my employed roles because you have to figure out how to solve the problems, which my brain likes doing, and you have the authority to actually solve them. Dan Bailey got in touch. Dan says, There are times when I've wondered where I would be in my career now if I'd remained in the full-time game. But equally, freelance has given me so many opportunities and allowed me the freedom to be so much more involved in my daughter's life. Prior to freelance, there were a lot of late nights and weekend working. There are times when I've found freelance mentally very challenging. But equally, the buzz you get from finding your own clients and sending out those invoices is very special indeed. And Anna Bartholomew says, on balance, no regrets. I have moments where getting off the freelance roller coaster seems like a good shout. But then I think about how work works around my kids and how I don't like being told what to do. And I dig deep and keep at it. That's totally me. (laughs) (laughs) And Jonathan Wilcock, have I ever regretted being freelance? I've regretted taking on full-time roles. Boom. How are you getting on with your new pup? We've got a dog. So cute, by the way. Lots of people were like, oh, is it, is it like having a newborn? No, it's like having a toddler. It's like having a crazy toddler with loads of teeth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that point of having a toddler where you're permanently looking around, wondering what mm-hmm. it's doing next. What accident it's about to have. Actually, he's pretty well toilet trained now. Like, I don't mean that. I mean, yes, but just general. Oh, like, right. Something over. Yeah. Et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Although there was one point when as a family, we were all playing Mario Kart. So all four of us, plus the dog and the cat. That's so wholesome. I love it. We're in the lounge, right? Mm-hmm. And then my, my wife went, what's he doing? What's he doing? I think he's going to do a poo. <laughs> now, not be funny, but Cat Peach was really closing in on like pale blue <laughs> shy guy, aka my uh-huh. son. Yeah. And I go, no, it's fine. Come on, let's finish this race. See, look, he's curled up behind my back. He's fine. Carry on playing. He wasn't curled up. He had <laughs> curled one up. <laughs> right. 
On the sofa? No, what colour no. is your sofa? Okay. I, I was on the floor, oh. right on the carpet, right next to oh, me. Oh, on the beige carpet, even better. It was almost Great. like my wife was willing the dog to go, go on, prove him wrong. Prove him I was right. <laughs> so Cat Peach drove off a cliff. <laughs> And uh, I lost that race. Oh, my God. Anyway, how are you? I am exhausted. We had our Manchester meetup at the weekend. Massive shout outs to everybody that came. It was really, really good. But I now need like six months to recover. (laughs) But it was all good? It was great. It was particularly great because I've never done one in the North. And so there were so many people in the North who I just haven't met. And some of them are like original doing it for the kids people who I've been talking to on the internet for like over five years. Yeah, there were some people I was like, how have I not met you before? This is nuts. So that was really nice. But lots of new people I've never met before who were also really nice. It was just good. It was just good vibes. Awesome. And also very different vibes because it was a Saturday. So there were a lot more children there, which was actually really nice. Yeah, it just changes the dynamic slightly when you've got a lot of older children. I love the fact that they're seeing that. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. It was all around worth the pain because I was very anxious in in the lead up. Yeah, it's funny because before every single one, you get uber stressed and say never again. Yeah. And then you come away from it buzzing and you're like, every single time for years, this has been happening. Yeah. So when's the next one? Well, yeah, let's not make any promises at this point. (laughs) Episode 101. Our question today comes from Emma Roberts, director at Social Qual, who use qualitative insights to help charities take action. Socialqual.com. Emma says, you know when you stumble upon someone fab and your brain goes, ooh, collaboration potential. Perhaps we meet on LinkedIn and then organise a couple intro call. We chat, we laugh, we bond over work joys and woes, and then we part with that cheerful, let's collaborate soon. But then often our busy lives take over. I'm on both sides of this, an instigator of these types of calls and also someone who people reach out to. So I'm wondering, how can we make these cuppa time conversations transform into actual collaborations? Or should we even bother with these sorts of meetings? It feels like I need to be more strategic about which invites I accept and who I reach out to. The social side of me responds to new folk with a Pavlov dog response of let's arrange a call but I'm increasingly feeling a bit unsatisfied with that approach. Anyone else? How do I get more strategic about these calls without being a knob? Thanks, Emma. See, the thing with Pavlov, so he rang a bell, then would give the dog their food. And eventually the dogs go, oh, it's a bell. That means it's food. Yeah. So with Emma, she sees a new person. She's like, oh, must arrange a call. You know, it's like an instinctive new person. Got to speak to them. Uh There you go. Also makes you want to pavlova. Yeah, right. But I don't think they're. I don't think they're related. They're not connected. No, okay. he wasn't feeding the dogs pavlova. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> now, yeah, because the word collaborate, you know, to stop, collaborate, and listen, <laughs> is God. <laughs> yeah, I have lots of questions about the word collaborate. Does it mean they want to employ you? <laughs> Does it mean their charity is looking for your skills, or is it more? somebody in a similar industry to you that you complement each other and you want to do a new project together? Is it, yeah, is it like there is mutual PR or marketing exchange to be had? Like, what is it? Because I feel 
I feel like, so she says about, um, you end the call going, let's collaborate soon. And then it never happens. And you're like, is that me? Is it them? What? I feel like if it was really obvious that you needed to work together, you would be working together in some way. I feel like if I had an hour long chat with someone who was interested in collaborating with me, say about doing it for the kids, for example. Yeah. It would be obvious by the end of that chat, we had a connection and there was, I don't know, maybe we would have come to some sort of list of ideas of ways we could collaborate, which we could then actually act on. I feel like the fact that the chat just ends suggests that it's not obvious what the collaboration is. Or is it that, oh, many, many things. Because I know I've been on calls with people who, for those kinds of, you know, explorative, getting to know you type conversations, and nothing's come of it because I didn't want anything to come of it. But I couldn't say that on the phone call. You know? Yeah. I also know those people are now listening and going, <laughs> well, hang yeah. on. Shit. <laughs> Is that why? Because <laughs> I'm much more comfortable writing in an email three weeks later, actually, do you know what? I don't have time for this or I don't think yeah, it's going to work or whatever, yeah. than I would be saying that on the f- on the phone. My point is, is nothing coming of these because it's not that good a fit? Or is it just that you're both not jumping on it enough? Yes, that's so true. Sometimes we don't take action on things and other people don't take action on things because actually deep down, we don't want to do it. Right. Like it's not the same, but... <laughs> When we started doing our co-mentoring thing, right? Like it was week two or something, where I was like, "We should make a podcast, mm. something like that." Yeah, yeah. And she did it in person, so I was trapped. It was I yeah, that's send a good point. You can't really say no, can you? Shit. Um, <laughs> but but I did it in person because I knew that it was the right thing. Do you know what I mean? This yeah. is the point I'm trying to make. Is like I had the balls to do it in person, and then we actually saw it through because it was just obvious to us that we should be doing something to get do you know what I mean but also (laughs) you see that was quite a few dates in if you see what I mean also true yeah because Mm -hmm. we had obviously been going back and forth online and then I said how about we meet up for a coffee in real life I bought you some Marmite on toast at Mm -hmm. a heavily inflated price because it was near Liverpool Street Station good toast though I'm so glad I mean, I do remember walking away from that going, oh, you know, we could maybe do Instagram lives together, yeah, right. be in front of each other's audiences in that way. Like, So ideas were sparking. You didn't necessarily want to do too much because... I was pregnant. You were pregnant, right? <laughs> Whereas by the time we actually started meeting up co-mental-wise, you'd just had a baby. Mm-hmm. Which goes to show, doesn't it? The months that passed between this first kind of like... So what you're saying there is, don't rush it. It doesn't all have to be obvious immediately but also I do advocate for like that gut feeling thing where it's like if it was obvious you needed to be working with this person Mm. it would be happening why isn't it happening is that because you're talking to the wrong people that sounds really like black and white it's obviously not that black and white she talks a lot about being strategic should I be being more strategic about who I'm talking to and maybe the fact that often these aren't leading to anything yeah is is because you need to be more strategic about who you choose to have that conversation with. Yeah, you've hit on something there about being strategic. As in, are there people you can identify on LinkedIn, for example, who would move your business forward, if that's what we're talking about, mm-hmm. or people you might like to collaborate with? Because if you're starting to get to know them online and then you reach out and you book a call, like, so 
softly, softly getting into their circle. But it doesn't sound like Emma's struggling to connect with those people in the first place. Nah, but what if she is? Because you just said, what if she's connecting with the wrong people? So what if she's just <laughs> accepting this chat, that chat, this chat? If she's right. being more strategic, there might be somebody who's slightly out of reach at the moment. Or it seems that way. But start chipping away and then eventually maybe you can get on a call with the right person. Do you know what's just sprung to mind? There is a thing out there in the online business world. I know what you're going to say. Go on. Go on. What am I going to say? No, you go on. No, go on. What am I going to say? I wrote down the on-office hours thing. Are you about to talk about that? it's called on-office hours. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Damn it. Cool. Good. actually what I was going to say. But that's it. Because that's the other end of the spectrum, isn't it? So... No, go on after you. You (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But like, there's the... Being approached and approaching others just like all the time and doing all these calls all the time and saying yes to everything. And then there's the on-office hours thing, which is scheduling in time where anybody can sign up. But it is, it's boundaried in the fact that it's a particular part of your week and that's it, right? Yeah. So if you don't know what on-office hours is, you have it very clearly. Like I know Wednesday at 4.30, I have a half hour thing in my diary. Anybody can book in a call with me and it's there every single Wednesday at half four, for example. Um, Dave Smythe is a big proponent of this. It was him who introduced it to me, first of all. But I know quite a few people who do it. And the thing is with that, Emma, is that if you do that, it means that you could look at people and you could say, okay, this is one which I really want to talk to right now. This is great. I can see there's an opportunity here. Strategically speaking, you might choose to talk to them whenever and it might be sooner rather than later. Whereas with somebody else, you might go, I don't know about this one, Uh, but they seem nice enough. And then you point them in the direction of your unoffice hours diary, your Canonly link. And then it's, you know, it might not even suit them half four on a Wednesday, or it might not suit them until like four weeks time when you finally Mm -hmm. got a gap. So it means that you're not, because this is the danger is that we spend too much time on these calls that go nowhere. And the fact is our time is precious when we're running a business and running a family at the same Uh time. So yeah, you are a sociable person. I don't think you should stop having these calls, but maybe be more strategic about who they are and strategic about when you do them. So by having the unoffice hours open, you might kick that slightly unnecessary call a month down the line. But also increasing the layers to reach you, as in making it harder for people. It's very easy to just ping a LinkedIn message, isn't it? Oh, hi, I do this thing. Let's have a chat. Great. But like, if I then respond and say, that's fantastic. I have these parts of my week open for these sorts of conversations. Please go to this form, answer these questions. You you know, are they actually going to go through that? Will it weed out some people is my point. Do they really want to have that conversation? Are they really that excited about working with you? Or have they just blanket emailed a million people who work in your industry? Do you know what I mean? And there's also an, I think, I hate to say it, but there's an ego element to this. You want to say yes to all those approaches because it's nice to think that people want to collaborate with you that doesn't mean it's the right thing for you or your business (laughs) because it makes you feel good on an ego level does it make you feel good does it make your business gut go "Mm, yes there is marketing to be had here or whatever (laughs) um yeah it needs to feel stronger than that and maybe by pushing people you know making them jump through more hoops continuing the dog like analogy (laughs) making these people jump through some more hoops to access your time might then 
mean that it's a higher quality of person. And you could introduce screening if it's through Calendly or something. You know, you ask them questions about what it is that they want to actually talk to you about. Because that's half the problem sometimes, isn't it? It's like you agree to a call and you've chatted to somebody for an hour and it's like, what What do they even want? I don't even know what they want. Do you know what I mean? Do they know what they want? They know that there's something yeah, yeah, to be yeah. had, but they don't know what it is. And sometimes that's okay. Like an example of you and me, Steve, I think that's okay. Like you just, you want to talk to this person and that's great. But um, sometimes you don't have that instant connection. And actually what you really need to know is what it is they're asking of you, preferably mm. before that conversation happens. And by putting it in that Canonly form of a, schedulers are available but it makes the person booking the call have to think oh yeah what 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 am i get and then that might make them back off if actually yes, they've got nothing so true yeah and that applies to like other things as well like just clients approaching you about a job making them vocalize what it is that they want what is the brief is always a good exercise for people isn't it and in, yeah sometimes they might go oh yeah actually i don't really know i'm gonna come back in six months time or whatever <laughs> Also, you say, how can we make these cup of time conversations transform into actual collabs? Mm -hmm. Now, we've already said we don't quite know what collabs means in this instance, right? But I also don't want you to feel like everything has to come to something, mm. as in just being on that person's radar, starting the relationship, them knowing who you are. Like, you might recommend them for something. They might recommend you for something. Like, it doesn't have to be utterly transactional and lead to Marmite on Toast and 100 podcasts and a distinct lack of pavlova. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you what, talking about collaboration, we need your responses to this as well. Like, what would your answer to Emma be? Maybe you've been in this situation, you've experienced it before, maybe you've set up something, maybe you've been doing the unoffice hours, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. Uh, get in touch wherever Frankie has posted this episode. Of course, within the Doing It For The Kids community. What do you mean you're not a member? Come over, doingitforthekids.net. And the power of making connections, having chats with other freelancers and small businesses is also covered in Steve's amazing course for newbie freelancers. Yes, if you're in your first year of freelancing or thinking of going freelancing, do check out how to get started being freelance. Go to beingfreelance.com, click on course. One of my favourite quotes, which is in the course, is from uh, a guest on the podcast from 2018, uh, a guy called Matt Hill. And he said, just keep meeting people. Boom. Put that on a t-shirt. Well, it's on my bookmark, look. I have some shout outs and thank yous off the back of the meetup in Manchester. First of all, to Karen at With Passion and Purpose, who took some photos for us. I'm going to be sharing those into the community at some point over the next couple of weeks. Keep an eye out for that. Also, massive thank you to two Doing It For Kids members, amazing people who've been hanging around a long time. Sharon at Casa Comms, who has supported the meetup. She runs a PR company in Yorkshire. And Gemma Stokes at Rev Retreat, who runs a glamping place in France, but also opens it up to freelancing families for three weeks over the summer. So thank you very much. Okay. Uh, are we done? Yes. No, that's good. Because our dog, first thing in the morning, just wants to sleep. Mm -hmm. But then sort of wakes up at about half 11. And look at the clock. Ah. Oh. Half 11. Wait, your dog naps like an actual child well like an actual dog no but i mean like scheduled naps yeah it also he goes to bed at nine o'clock wakes up at 7 a.m oh dream yeah wish my eight-year-old did that <laughs> <laughs>